Thank you guys so much for listening to the Family Worship Center podcast. This podcast is our weekly messages that happen at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday here at Family Worship Center. Don't forget to check out our website at myfwc.tv and follow us on all social media. If one of these messages touched you in some way, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on our website or on any of our social media pages. Simply put, we exist to partner with God in changing the quality of families' lives. We hope you enjoy this message. Occurring in America. And Father God, I thank you that what you started you're going to finish. Father, I think you will always be attuned to Israel and Jerusalem. Father, your word says you bless those who bless Israel and Jerusalem, and you curse those who curse Israel and Jerusalem. Father, thank you for the leadership that we'll have in this nation. will always honor Israel and Jerusalem and the Hebrew people. And as for us, Lord, we're engrafted Gentiles into the Hebrew promises of God. I thank you today, Lord, and one of those promises is community and fellowship and grace. And Father, we thank you as we see those two up there displaying to us that it takes an effort to develop community. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, how many watched the Derby yesterday? Raise your hand. How many saw for the first time ever a winner disqualified, except in the 60s there was a, I can't remember the name of the horse, native dancer, something dancer, dancer. That horse was eliminated, disqualified, after they did blood tests, after the horse won. But yesterday, that horse, anybody know the name of the horse that won? The first time? All right. Anybody know the name of the horse that won the second time? All right. There was a disqualification foul because that horse that was leading ran into a problem with a mud hole. I watched it several times. I couldn't figure out why the horse veered violently. That horse veered violently to its right. And then someone come on and said there was a track of mud, there was a track of water that that horse saw. And horses jump water. They don't like water. And that's what happened. That horse saw that water. Before the jockey could gather the horse up, that horse jumped without the, the, the horse led the jockey. And the horse got out of its lane. Everybody say, get out of its lane. Did you know God has lanes for us in life? Lanes of authority, lanes of purpose, lanes of grace. That horse veered. That horse never touched the horse that was declared winner later. And I want to encourage you today that sometimes things happen to us just simply because we're in our lane and somebody gets in our way. So I want to encourage you this morning that um, if you like the Derby, you don't, you know, made for a good story. But today we're going to talk about the power of community. Everybody say community. If you'd open up your Bibles this, this morning with me uh, to Acts um, let's look at Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. We're going to talk about experiencing life together today. Experiencing life together. You know, we have people in our body going through things. Uh, we have people, uh, Brent Boyer had heart surgery this week. He's recovering. Alberto's recovering from gallbladder surgery. He's recovering. We've got different people going through different things, but if we don't have access to know about them, how do we know to pray? So we're going to do a better job of being family, better job of developing community, a better job of loving each other. We've had different ones going through different things, and uh, we, we want to be aware of what's going on. So 
We're going to talk about the power of community. The power of community. And let me give you a definition of what community is. Community is dealing with, community is um, dealing with sharing the common attitudes, interests, and goals of another person. Let me say it again. The definition of community is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes. Everybody say attitudes. Attitude. Interests. Everybody say interest. Interest. And goals. Let's do it again. Let's say attitudes, Attitude. interest, interest, and goals. Now, how many knows those things will vary as we get older here today? Um, we're going to be launching this month, all month long, small groups. And we're going to experience life together in small groups. Some of those will be doctrinally driven. They're going to be driven by doctrines of the Bible. Um, one is going to be here on Wednesday nights. It's going to take the place of our Wednesday night service. We're going to move out of our encounter series and into this. And it's going to be about the authority of the believer in Christ. How many here is a believer this morning? It's going to be about who you are and what you possess in Christ. The authority we have in the name of Jesus, in whom, by whom, all of those things, 160-some scriptures that tell us who we, what we have in Him simply because we're sons and daughters of the Most High. That's going to be right here. Uh, Frank, Brother Frank's going to teach that right here. Probably be a six-week or eight-week, I don't know. The length of them will be different. They'll be no shorter than four weeks, and they'll be no longer than eight weeks. It depends on what the small group is about. We have one on Monday night that's a basketball small group for boys, young men in their 20s. They play every Monday night. They play at one of our local schools. It's a pickup game, but that one is being led by Scripture, and it's a time of, of prayer, and then they play ball. They play ball. I'm, everybody say, doing life together. Doing life together. So it's going to be different for everyone, and different ones are going to have different needs, different attitudes, different interests, different goals. And uh, the definition of the word community, a feeling of fellowship with others, as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals, it's also called a group. You could be part of a group. It's also called a body. It's also called a company. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about being instructed to go back into your own company. This thing, a small group, started with God. The original small group was Adam and Eve and their two sons. That was the original small group which was a family. And all through the Bible, God is placing people into small groups. Moses ran into an issue. He had one and a half to two million Hebrews. He's trying to lead from one place to another. He's trying to lead them from a place of spiritual poverty into the promise of Canaan land, of all the prosperous graces of God. And Moses is trying to deal with all the individual interests, interests and goals of individual people. And the Bible says he's wearing himself out. The Bible says he's getting weary. And his father-in-law told him, it's not wise what you do. Listen, guys, my job as Pastor Pat is to work myself out of a job to equip you to do the work of the ministry. No, 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 I thought that's what we paid the preacher for. That's, that's old, wrong thinking. The pastor's job, the shepherd's job, is to do three things. To feed you properly for you will grow to lead you to a place where you can understand who you are and what you have in Christ and discover your purpose. And number three, that you produce, reproduce yourself. I like to say it this, I don't want to be crude, fed, led, and bred. Fed, led, and bred. And things that are bred properly and fed properly have babies that are healthy. 
and the babies grow up and take their place. How many say amen? God wants to turn America around through generations, generations of believers. That's from the youngest to the oldest. He wants to turn this thing back around where it once was, and I believe God's not finished with America. How many say amen? I believe, hey, this state, God is using this state to turn back the abortion powers of this nation. This state. So when you hear people booing our governor, and I'm not saying he's made every decision right, and I'm not going to get into arguing because arguing, the Bible says don't refute. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Thank God for a man that stood for turning this state back toward abortion free. Now see, some of us don't, we don't, you know, some of us, I, I tell you what, I grew up, I didn't even know what the definition of abortion was. I grew up and didn't even realize what happened in the 60s. All I know is in the first grade, Miss Emma had a big Bible, and every day at 12 o'clock after we ate, she flipped that Bible over, and she imparted unto us the things of heaven. A Bible on one end of the desk, and a paddle looked like a small board over on the other one, praise God. And we were always in between. But I'll tell you what, I'm thankful for teachers like that. How many say amen? You know what I was in in the first grade? I was in a large, small group. First grade, there was 31 of us. I was in a large, small group. We got to know each other. We, got to, we found out what each other's parents did. We found out our strengths. We found out our likes, our dislikes. We found out our pluses and our minuses. God told Moses through his father-in-law, he said, you've got to divide this thing up. You've got people in there. You've got guys in there able to lead tens and fifties and hundreds and thousands. You need to break it into small groups. Everybody say small groups. See, right down to today, all these folk in here today, every one of us have a question, every one of us have a testimony, every one of us have a thought, but if we gave everybody equal time, five to ten minutes apiece, I, we'd be missing Waffle House closing. They don't close, don't get upset. Anyway, but small groups, you can do that. You can interject, you can hear, you can stop and pray, you can have the things of God poured into you in a small setting and then we can deal with the attitudes the interest and the goals of the individual person in the group the band the faction the circle the company the body the ring of believers let's look what it says in acts chapter 2 look at your neighbor and say i like small groups everybody do that acts chapter 2 talks about the early church and here's what happened here's what happened let's start in verse 40 it says with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those, and those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were saved. I mean, knows what that was. That's Peter's first evangelistic sermon. Peter went from denying Jesus three times to seeing 3,000 people get born again in one day. Everybody say hallelujah. Three times he denied Jesus. One day, three thousand people came to Christ and you know what they had to immediately start thinking about how are we going to minister to these 3,000 new believers in a way that they can be disciples so they could reproduce themselves in Christ and here's what here's what happened they continued verse 42 steadfastly in the Apostles doctrine guys listen you can stay at home every day we can look on our screens we can be fed by great ministries around the world. Anointed of God, men and women can teach us great things. Of, how many loves Miss Joyce Meyer? I'm telling you, if you don't like it raw, don't listen to Joyce because she ain't going to mismatch stuff. She's just going to tell you like it is. Amen? 
If you want it, if you want a little more cream on top and just think everything is a little bit better than it actually appears, turn to Joel. Pastor Joel, lift your spirits. I may say amen. amen. He'll talk about the joys of being saved. If you want to be resurrected and understand the power of Hebrew power in our life, Judeo-Christian um, life that God has given unto us, you can go to John Hagee, you can go to Perry Stone, you can go, I'm telling you, all of those things are good. But there's one thing they don't do. They do not create koinonia. They do not create physical fellowship. So every time you and I don't come together on a weekend, a Wednesday, a small group, and we don't develop, where we can look at each other's attitudes, interests, and goals, where we don't develop as a group, where we don't develop this fellowship, because God's fellowship is experiencing life together, good and bad. How many didn't know Alberto had his gallbladder sucked out? Raise your hand. It's okay. Most people don't. We pray for him. We pray for Lily. She's taking care of the kids. Amen. We learn these things. We step into place of position of prayer so we can be a blessing unto each other. Say this with me out loud. I, out loud. I, I'm, I've got to ponder this point. Here's the point. I need others in my life. Let's say it again. I need others in my life now you're either living in a horizontal place with gates to your life fences around your life to some degree to protect but there's gates and doors to your life to you and your family or you're living in a silo and if you're living in a silo how many knows what a silo is it is not very big around and it's tall and it's dark and it smells funny in a silo you're either in a silo or you're outside where people have access to you. I think we have to work on tearing down our silos, our walls. I think we have to protect our fences. I didn't say no borders. I said protect our fences. Codependency will lead you to believe everybody has access to everything in your life. That's not true. You are the one who dictates the direction of access into your life. But God has a plan for that. Husbands and wives. Husbands are to serve wives as Christ serves the church. That must, that must mean we have a responsibility and a grace on our lives to love our wives like Jesus loves us. And that's unconditionally. I like to put it this way. Men, if you've been used to being on the front left boner of the stove of your life, get ready to move. Not in a crazy way, but to move, to serve, and to love, and to lead, and to protect, and live life together with your wife. Sometimes culture doesn't teach us that. Sometimes culture fights Christ. And sometimes the culture we live in, some of us are so deeply embedded into culture, we don't make a decision unless we go back three grandparents to make sure they would approve of it. And if we do that, and I'm not against inquiring of family and wisdom, that's part of how God sets things up. But I'm telling you, if God gives you a rhema word to do something, to be somewhere, to go somewhere, you better put that ahead of granny. Preaching to myself this morning. All right. When I went to Bible school, the people who tried to talk me out of it were the people closest to me. As a matter of fact, some of the greatest sinners I knew who I sinned continually with prior encouraged me to go and come back with something we can all change our lives with. 
But some of my very family said, why are you doing that? You're saved. You're on your way to heaven, and you're excited about the word. And it wasn't my mom and dad in the close proximity there. It was other, so don't, it wasn't there. Mom was all for it. Matter of fact, for three weeks in a row, I called home twice a week. Mom, because I was fighting this culture versus Christ thing. And I called home and said, Mom, I'm, I'm the oldest son. Dooley's behind me three and a half years, and Shauna's behind it. We all still helped on the farm. We all had a part. And had, everybody had jobs too. I called my mother and I said, Mom, are you sure Daddy can make this thing without me? Yes, honey. Yes, we're doing good. You focus on being out there. Well, you know, that thing kept, that, that culture kept pushing against the Christ thing. You know, pleasing everybody. What's everybody think? And making everybody happy. And how many knows that'll drive you insane? How many say amen? And the second week I called, honey, we're doing... The third time I called, mom said this. It's probably the harshest words. I, I label it in the harshest five words my mom's ever spoke to me. And you all do know I'm a mama's boy. How many knows that? Amen. I'll just let you know. She said, matter of fact, honey, we're doing better now than when you were here. I dropped to my knees in my kitchen. I'm going, God, I'm body. I can't go back. And Christ won over culture. Right there, in that position. And I said this to God. I said, God, if I'm going to stay out here and do this because you told me to come, you set this thing up, if I'm going to stay out here, you've got to give me friends. You've got to give me a small group where my interests and my attitudes and goals can connect with people. And that's when I met Tad Gregorich, Ronnie Gilly, and on and on and on. I began to meet people. Doug Jones one of the staff teachers who's still there. Just on, I began to meet people who developed a small group in my life concerned about me and my interests, my attitudes and my goals, and that's what helped me move on. Let's look back here. Let's look, just a little infomercial there. Verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. So, they continued in the word, they continued in the doctrine of the apostles, they fellowshiped, where we get the word koinonia, that means coming together. They fellowshiped with one another. They broke bread, had communion, also had meals, and they prayed together. Look at those four things. I'm telling you, the power of koinonia. Koinonia will have you somebody you can call at three in the morning when hell's at your door. Koinonia is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Koinonia is someone who called me once. I was, I was a counseling someone and they had just found out they had a, cancer, a situation with cancer and I'll never forget the day and uh, we're talking about a small group, interests, attitudes, goals that we can share in life. We can grow in Christ and grow through Christ Jesus. And I was ministering to this guy, just had just got a bad report about cancer and I was ministering to him and I saw the phone ring up and I saw the number on the phone and this guy, this, again, this guy's the same as a brother to me and I said, can you excuse me? Because he usually don't call at this time unless there's a, really a need. He said, sure. So I took it off a of loudspeaker and put it on. So I picked up the phone, and it was my buddy John. John Nuzo is John and Michelle Nuzo. Their three kids in Pittsburgh have raised up a really national ministry there, full of grace, full of hope. They're just they're family to us. Gianna is named after John. Gianna is the feminine word for John in Italian. So anyway. John said, Butch? I said, yeah. He goes, I got a problem. I said, okay. He said, I need $10,000 cash here by tomorrow at noon. Now, it's 1130 the day before in the morning. I'm sitting there talking to this guy. I'm going, I go, no problem. I'll meet you up there with the money. 
I hung the phone up going, um, I don't think me and Brooke got 10,000 cash anywhere. And I start thinking, going through a list of people, I know I could go personally and get $10,000 cash. And I continued to minister to this guy to give him hope and love and grace and the word of God. And uh, all afternoon, I'm plotting and planning, getting everything ready. And he calls back at 6 and says, oh, I forgot. I don't need that. That was just a point I was showing somebody. I said, thank you for telling me now. <laughs> he said, I was interviewing a young lady, and she says, there are no people on earth who would live their life for me, who would die for me, who would care for me. I don't have any friends. I don't have any relationships. He said, it's because you haven't made yourself available. It's because you don't trust people to that level. He said, watch this. He called me cold, and he just said, I need $10,000. How many's got people like that in your life? Whatever they say, you're going to get it done. Raise your hand. How many would like to be that for somebody? Amen. Amen. So the thing is, is God wants to develop this, this small group thing. That's why he's constantly telling us these things about coming together. So the original church, here's how it's growing. Verse, verse 43, then fear came upon every soul. Many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Verse 44, now all who believed were together. There it is again, together. Everybody say together. together. Say this with me. It is good. It is good for us to get together. How many believes that? Now let me stop just a minute here. Let me tell you what the enemy wants to do to me and you. He wants to isolate us. Isolation. He wants to separate us. He doesn't want you coming together in any time to get together, brother and sisters. He doesn't want you to pray together with brother and sisters. He doesn't want you to pray for brother and sisters. He didn't want us to fellowship together. He didn't want us to develop koinonia together. He didn't want us to study together. He didn't want us to experience life together. He didn't want us to be real honest with each other because if we share one another's burdens, the Word says the love of God's freely given. If we're honest, honest with each other at different levels. Jesus showed us that there's going to be numbers in your life. He showed us that if you and I live our life according to God's purpose and plan, there's going to be masses of number who, of people who will know about you, know what you live for, know what you stand for, and basically you'll have some access into their life. And the second uh, set of numbers that we see in the Bible is the 70. Jesus sent out the 70 two by two. Now how could he send them out two by two and match them up if he didn't have some sort of relationship with them? So he sent them out. They marveled that the, the spirits were subject to the name of Jesus. They marvel. And he said, don't get excited about that. That's all good. Be excited that your name's written down in the Lamb's what? Book of Life. Be glad you're saved. Be happy you're saved. How many's glad you're saved this morning? Amen. How many's glad the next stop for you is heaven's door? Amen. How many's glad there's going to be streets of gold you're going to stand upon? How many's glad you're going to stand at, at the judgment seat of Christ and he's going to judge our, our works, not our sins? Our Amen. sins have been judged. He's going to judge what we did for him. And it's either going to be hay, hay, wood, or stubble, or silver, or gold. Aren't you glad that's, isn't that good? Aren't you glad he paid a price for us? Amen. Amen. I mean, these are things we can share with people as we develop relationships. And it says, now all who believe were together and had all things common, and they sold their possessions and goods. Look at that. This is how much they loved each other. And divided them among all as everyone who had need that was according to need. So they continued daily, everybody say daily, in one accord in the temple. That's the church meeting. That's the church house meeting. They got together daily, a Jewish custom, early in the morning, in the temple, and then they went from house to house and broke bread. They fellowship ate. 
And you say, well, when did they do all their work and things? I'm sure they got it all done, but I found out if I'm busy about God's business, He takes care of my business. How many say amen? amen? And the truth is, let me just take a small time out here. The truth is, we've got to get back to teaching the proper use of finances in the kingdom of God. We, we don't work for a living. We work so we can give. Amen. Then the living gets taken care of. We work to be able to give to every good work. We work to trust God to get in this kingdom thing so God can bless us. You know God wants you to have a vacation. He wants you to go to wherever you want to go and enjoy your life and take a breather. Do you know that? God doesn't want you hammered down your face to the grindstone all the time. That's culture. That's culture. That's culture versus Christ. Some of us were raised that you didn't need a vacation. You didn't need to get away. How many knows everybody needs to get away sometime? How many say amen? How many knows it usually takes three or four days to debrief so you can enjoy what you're briefing so you can brief it back on when you get back? Amen. That's culture versus Christ. I'm telling you, thank God for the good things in our culture that are based on Judeo-Christian values and principles. But thank God we understand that culture is never to supersede Christ. Is everybody here? Amen. And look what it says. It says it continued daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. I guess, I guess supernaturally from my, from my mom's table to my grandmother's table to my aunt's table, I, I just, as you can tell, I, I know I make chubby jokes and fat jokes and forgive me when I go over the line of, of making excuses for different things, but I tell you what, I grew up enjoying a meal around my family. I mean, they talked about the day, we talked about crops, we talked about life, we talked about girlfriends, and we talked about boyfriends, and we... we I mean, it was like, this is how I felt. I felt I was at the table of a king and a queen. And the king was my father and the queen was my mother. Now, my father had a lot more attributes to this than my mother because I was thinking the other day, we used to jump up like a bunch of one-eyed hogs and run out the door and she'd have to clean up everything. I don't remember any of us ever offering to clean up. Well, that's a woman's job. Oh, that's a woman's job. Now, where we get all that? And mom would always have two or three meats. And that's why everybody wanted to get off the bus with me. I looked behind me and said, where are you going? I'm going home with you. Why? Well, because your mom feeds well. Okay, you get to call your mother. People get off the bus with me to eat with my mom. How many here, watch this, how many here's ever ate with my mom? Raise your hand. Look around here. Look around the room. Yeah, just ate with Imo. But we just jump up and leave her there, stranded. Like a squall after a massacre. There she stood. And we go day lay under a tree like an old hog got too hot. But that's what culture taught us. But we're changing that. And I've asked mom to forgive me a thousand times. I know she has, but she just did what she saw do. Why am I talking about that? I'm talking about the power of koinonia, getting together. I tell you what, I'd rather be together with a, with a bologna and cheese sandwich with mayonnaise and tomatoes. I don't like tomatoes, but you like it. And a little something. I'd rather be in the presence of family and faith and friendship and koinonia than have the best steak uh, Chris Ruth ever had. How many say amen? With strife and division and scorning. I'm talking today about the power of connection. So they continued daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread. And verse 47, praising God and having favor. Look at this. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church those who daily would be saved. 
the Lord added to the church daily those who would be saved. Aren't you glad? I'm telling you, when we walk in this level of koinonia, the Lord will add to the church. And He'll add to it. It'll be genuine. It'll be gut level sharing. It'll be honesty. It'll be somebody that you can grow spiritually with. How many can agree with that? Turn to Galatians with me, chapter uh, 6. Galatians chapter 6. Everybody say small groups. Amen. It's part of the church. We're just emulating Christ here. We're emulating what God did. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Amen. Now, we're, we're starting small groups in the month of May. And, uh, and it's going to be all month these things are going to be taking place. So they're, no, they're all not going to start at the same time or end the same, same time. The shortest will probably be four to five weeks. The longest will probably be eight. It'll depend on, um, it'll depend on what, the, what the group is and what it's about. Like I said, one of them's even going to be basketball on Monday nights, and, and uh, that'll continue on. I am going to be in charge for the first time ever of the fourth quarter. And I'm really looking forward to the fourth quarter. And that's, we bumped it back a little bit. Anybody 50? and above so if you're 50 and you feel like you need to be in here um, we're going to pass this out Cody's going to come up here in just a a minute and explain some other ones but this is fourth quarter now I want everybody 50 and above just stand up for a minute I'm just going to ask you to do it for one for one minute stand up if you're 50 and above stand up everybody look around look at the percentages look around 50 and above okay This is for you. Well, not you, Kevin, because you can't drive that far. Kevin's in from Louisiana. But it is for you, Dwight. Okay, coach. Anyway, now you can belong to other ones, but this is 50 and above. You can be seated. Fourth quarter. We want to finish our life strong. How many say amen? We want to finish in our lane. We don't want to jump over like country house or country time, whatever that horse was. Yeah, home house, home health. I don't know what that horse was. But that horse jumped five lanes. Now watch this. That horse jumped five lanes because something scared it. How many times do we allow something in life to scare us and jump five lanes from where we should be and get into a place of unfaith, get into a place of discouragement, get into a place of getting somebody else's way? So praise God. This is for all of you. Listen, and you can go to more than one, but we're going to have three things we're going to do. We're going to have, we're going to have some time of faith, which include your testimony, which include where you're at, which include we're going to learn about each other. We're going to have a time of faith. We're going to have a time of fun. I guarantee you we're going to have fun and do things, and we're going to have some food along the way. Now, the food thing, I'll be more demonstrative in what that looks like and everything. Um, it doesn't mean we'll have a full-blown-out fish fry every week we get together, but who knows? Where's your faith? Amen. Yeah, and somebody, if anybody brings me five loaves and two fishes, says, okay, preacher, do it. We'll do the best we can with it. Amen. But this is, uh, this is to, we're just getting some sign-ups now. And Cody's going to come up and explain some more of these, these groups. We want to get a start today of signing up, and I'll come back up and finish just in a minute. But we're going to start this one here. If you're 50 and above and you'd like to be a part, um, sign it and pass it on. All right. Uh, just a couple others that we have here that will be out um, as you guys leave today under that small group banner out there. Um, we're doing uh, 35 and under, a separate group for young men. 
and young women. And the reason that we're doing this is, first of all, it's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to meet in a lot of different places and a lot of different activities involved with it. But as far as the material, we're going over um, a book called Search for Significance. How many of you guys know at that age, finding why you're here, how to discern what God's uh, leading you to do in your life is a big deal at that stage in your life. And so we are really going to just talk about that. What's it look like to to find significance in Christ first in a world that encourages you to have a full life plan at the end of high school? How many guys maybe had a plan and your life ended up much different? Amen, right? You have to learn how to discern what that looks like. And so that's what we're going to go through for both of those. So if you're 35 and under, you fit within that group. Even if you got kids, no kids, everybody is welcome. It's going to be a great time. A couple others that we have. Um, we're going to be doing one on uh, marriage as well. How many of you guys know that it takes a life, it's a lifelong journey, right, to grow and to build a strong marriage? And that's actually the book that we're going over in that class. It's you don't find a strong marriage, you build one. How many of you guys remember Pastor Joe McGee was here uh, several months back? It's his book, really, really, really good material. And uh, I would, I'm just going to brag for a second. The last small group session that we had, we had the best food at the marriage small group that you'll ever have. I mean, I probably gained 15 pounds in that six weeks, so maybe we should do a fitness small group to follow up the marriage small group so we can all get back down and back trim, but it was uh, amazing. And so I want you to encourage you to come out. There's no age restriction on that. Whether you've been married for a long time or you're literally married, there's something that we can learn and apply to our marriage uh, in a biblical way to build it uh, closer together and closer to God as well. So that's what that one's all about. And then there's going to be one here on Wednesday nights, um, we really want to purpose every time we do small groups to do one that's based on the foundational things that we believe as a church, to always reinstitute and to reinforce those things that we uh, believe as a church. So this one is going to be led on Wednesday nights. Frank Ripper's going to lead it. It's called The Authority of the Believer. So our authority in Christ, learning all about that, learning how we can speak life into situations because of the uh, power that Christ has and the authority that he gives us. It's really foundational in what we believe here, and so we always want to have something along the lines of authority, faith, healing, those pillars to what we believe. And so that's one of those ongoing things, and that will be here on Wednesday nights at 7. And so you guys can check all these out at the small group booth as you leave today. But get involved. It's all about building community and growing closer to God, and we get to do that together, and it's a ton of fun if you've been a part of one. Um, everybody comes away saying, I didn't realize how I could build such deep relationships in just a six-week period. It really is life-changing, so I encourage you to check them out as you go today. Cody uh, oversees our small groups and Next Step, and I appreciate all Cody does. How many loves Cody? Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap for Cody. The best thing out of getting born again, Cody, ever did, was marry my niece. Anyway, but anyway, I'm sorry. That's that culture creeping in again. Oh, I'm sorry, Cody. So, anyway, all right. Let's look at let's look at Galatians chapter six with me, verse two, verse one, Galatians six one, and verse two. It says, "Brethren, if a man or woman has overtaken any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness." Considering yourselves lest you be tempted also. If you're at a place of victory and maturity, filled with humility, he says then you can restore. You can't do that with someone if you don't have a relationship with them to some degree. They're going to push you away. I mean, knows that's true. And it says in verse 2, it says, Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. 
the, the, the uh, New Living Testament says this, share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way you'll obey the law of Christ. Share it, talk about it, work, work it out with the things of God. Remember, many times God speaks to us vertically. Revelation, straight from the throne room of heaven, delivered by the Holy Ghost as our teacher and our guide and our counselor. But there's times that God will speak to us horizontally. Through men and women, boys and girls, filled with the things of God and the Word of God, they're going to speak life into our life and they're going to declare what God says about us. So it's a vertical listening and a horizontal listening. And the Bible teaches us story after story, life after life of developing small groups of connections and relationships that turn situations around. Esther, born for a time as this, freed the people, the Jewish people from destruction. You know, we have Rahab, who ran a house of ill repute, believed with God that she had a purpose and saved the, the people of God coming to find a new place in Canaan land. There are so many places in the Bible where we find that it takes courage and humility to trust people and develop a small group. And you and I have developed them over the years in school, at work, in recreation. We develop them. But many times there's people in those small groups that can't help us spiritually. They can't give us the proper wisdom. And the Bible tells us whoever we hang around, we what? Become like them. We become like iron sharpens iron, so does the countenance of a friend. And that's what happens. And I want to close with this scripture in James 5, 16. The Message Bible says this. It said, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. Whole and healed. Carry one another's burdens. In this you fulfill the law of Christ. We do those things because God wants us to be healed and whole as we go. And I'm telling you, we encourage you to sign up, to be a part, to pray. And guys, I grew up in a small group, Sunday school. How many grew up in Sunday school? That was a small group. And we learned, we, we participated, we asked questions, we were involved because we had the time and we had godly men and women who taught us. So praise God. We're going to be talking about community, the power of community, there's safety in community, there's healing in community, there's a cushion in community. There's a cushion where you know people are going to pray for you and love you and not talk about you and not judge you. And I want to tell you something, it takes a risk to do this. You've got to step out. It's a risk, but it's worth the taking. It's a risk because it's time we tear down our silos and it's time we get into turf management and it's time we build strong turf where people can, how many people can climb and get in a silo? The world's not going to climb and get in a silo but they're going to come on equal turf where they're not judged, where they're not misunderstood. They're going to come in where the unconditional love of Jesus Christ, how many say amen, can help them build their life of victory and freedom. All because Jesus tore down silos and he built small groups. And he built the most famous small group of all time and that was the disciples. Amen? Amen. Pray. Father, we thank you for today and I just thank you, Father, for all you're doing and, and I just thank you, Lord, for just allowing us to be a blessing to each other. Father, I just thank you today that what you started in us, you're going to finish. And a big part of this thing of being a Christian is developing community and relationships, and connect points. And Father, I thank you it not only affects us, but your word says that we inherit the relationships of our families, our fathers, our mothers. I'm so thankful for the connect points, Lord, 
as a child that I still are reaping from, from my mom and my dad. And Father, I thank you today that we're all going to have the heart and the courage and the strength to step into maybe a new arena. Maybe we've been siloed in because of being hurt. We've been abused. We've been neglected. We've been left behind and we had to protect ourselves. And maybe that was for a season, but now it's time that we reach our arms out and let others help us walk this thing out and help let others help carry our burdens and frustrations so we can be whole and heal. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen.